You have received the spirit of adoption, through which we cry, Abba, Father. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not subject us to the final test. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend to whom he goes at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey, and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children and I are already in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, if he does not get up to give the visitor the loaves, because of their friendship, he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish? Or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg. If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today, the disciples go to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Which is a really good request. And I think about times when people have come to me and they said, Father, I don't really know how to pray. How do I pray? And typically, I'd say, well, what is your prayer like? What do you do in your prayer? And very often the answers are things like, well, I I pray a lot for other people, but I don't pray for myself. As if to say, like, I pray for other people's needs, but I don't pray about my own needs because that would be selfish. Like, as if it wouldn't be Christian to sit there and pray for our own needs. 
And then I'll ask, so do you feel like you connect with God when you pray? Well, no, but you're not even talking about yourself. How are you going to connect? Well, God already knows everything about me, so I don't really have to tell him. Which is true. God knows everything about us. He knows all of our sinfulness. He knows what's in our hearts. He knows what we need. But for some reason, he still wants us to bring this to him and relate this to him. And many of you are parents or grandparents, and oftentimes you know what's going on with your kids, even when they don't tell you. But it changes the narrative when your kids come to you and tell you. How many of you have ever like, caught your children doing something wrong and you're just waiting for them to fess up to it? And if they do fess up to it, you treat them differently than if finally, after a couple of weeks, you have to say, you know I knew that you did this the other, the other day. There's more of a relationship when we open our hearts to our Lord. And that is what our Lord is conveying to his disciples. It's a relationship. Like the reason they ask the question is because Jesus was praying in a certain place. So the disciples are sitting around and they're watching Jesus and he goes off and he's praying and he seems to be by himself and yet in communion with the Father. And they can probably see the joy that radiates from him as he is in communion with the Father. And they want that. Like how do I get that? How can I be like you, is the question. And so he teaches them this prayer that we all learned as children. Father, hallowed be your name. And as soon as he says to them, I want you to pray like this, Father, hallowed be your name. They must have been surprised and shocked. Because for the Jewish people, they didn't believe God was a father who was actually interested in their life. They believed that God was more like a slave master who wanted them to follow the rules. In Judaism, at the time of Jesus, everybody followed the book of the law. And if they violated the law, they were unjust. And if they kept the law, they were just. And so they just were worried about following God's rules. Abraham goes to God in the first reading and he pleads with him to have mercy on the people and not punish them because of their sin. And so Jesus says to call God Father, which implies that we are his children, which therefore implies that he is very interested in our lives. And he has great love for each and every one of you. And his desire is for you to be in union with him. His desire is for you to know him. That's why God sent, the Father sent Jesus into the world, so that we could know him, so we can see him, so we can touch him. So we would know that he knows everything about us. He became like us in all things but sin. He suffered everything that we've suffered. And he wants to make us adopted sons and daughters of the Father, of the same Father. Which is an amazing thing. 
And yet there are many obstacles and that we find in our life to really believing that God loves us, to believing the words, our Father. It can be easy for us to believe that God loves everyone, like God loves everyone, the everyone up here. But very difficult for us to believe that he actually loves us individually, personally. Insert your name. A lot of times we believe that God is, other people's problems are more important than our problems. I don't really pray, I don't really ask for God's help because so-and-so down the street, they really need God's help. And he can't possibly have time for all of us. But that's not true. Sometimes we experience that in our families, where some people with real problems got more attention than we did. But our Lord is God, which means that he can love everyone. And there's no limits. Another obstacle to believing this can be, well, I've been praying for a really long time and God just doesn't listen to me. I feel like I've been asking for the same thing over and over and over again, and he just never helps me. And to that objection, our Lord goes on in the same gospel passage, and he says, if your friend won't get up to help you, Because of your friendship, he'll get up because of your persistence. So our Lord tells us to be persistent in our prayer, to be persistent in asking for our Lord's help, to be persistent in praying for our own conversions, to be persistent in praying for our transformation, to be persistent. And that persistence becomes difficult because we live in a world where we want everything to happen right away. But our Lord calls us to be persistent. Why? Because it's our persistence in prayer that changes our hearts. When I was studying in Rome, I fell into this deep depression. And and there were a couple of years that I just did not feel connected to our Lord at all. I would say mass, I'd say my prayers. I felt totally disconnected from our Lord and really isolated and very much alone. And I remember praying pretty consistently, Lord, help me to love you like I used to know how to love you. And it was a couple of years went by before our Lord broke through what was blocking him from entering my heart. I know a couple that I've worked with in pastoral ministry and they had a miserable marriage for 15 years. 15 years, they hated each other. They stayed together because they weren't going to get divorced. They hated each other for 15 years. And then our Lord broke through everything. And so they had been praying for 15 years for the transformation of their marriage or healing of their marriage or let me get out of this or let me just die or something. And then our Lord broke through everything. And they'll say it was kind of like our Lord was saving up all the graces from these prayers because he really had to drop like a nuclear grace bomb on them to break through the hardness of their hearts. But now they would say that their marriage and their family is better than it has ever been 
ever, better than when they were dating. To be persistent in our prayer. Because our Lord says, if we ask, we will receive. And then there's this sort of idea that, well, mm, God doesn't really care about me. Some people, when things start going well, they get nervous. Like, things are going too good. Something bad's got to happen. I'm waiting for the, other, for the other shoe to drop. It can't be that easy, Father. And Jesus reminds us again, what father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish? Our Lord wants to give you every good thing. Our Lord wants to transform your hearts. Our Lord wants you to have joy. He wants you to experience love. He wants you to experience peace. He wants you to know freedom. And if we ask him for these things, he will give them to us. How much more will the Father in heaven give us the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so how are we to pray? Like our prayer begins with understanding our Lord's deep and abiding love for us. And then responding to that love and making ourselves available to that love. Opening every part of our hearts to him. And during this year of mercy, it's a time that all of us can start over with our Lord. Because one of the other obstacles we have to really experiencing our Lord in prayer is our past sins. Sometimes we believe that there's no way God could forgive our past sins or we can hate the sinner version of ourselves. And we can think about all the bad things that we've done and there's no way I can make up for all these bad things and so I'm just doomed to be miserable for the rest of my life and I hope that someday I'll just slide in to the bottom level of purgatory just barely missing the first level of hell. Yuck. God's mercy means that we can start over. It means that we go to our Lord and we say, look, this is everything I've done. I am a horrible person. I have been a horrible person. In fact, I love watching television more than I love you, Jesus. What do you think of that? That's who I am. And he will say to you, I love you. I love you anyways. Come and follow me. St. Paul points out, even when you were dead in transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he brought you to life along with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. And so whatever guilt we carry around, or however we beat ourselves up in our head, however we tell ourselves how bad we are in our head, our Lord has forgiven those transgressions. He wants to just enter in and make everything new again. And that happens when we say to him, Lord, I want you to come into this part of my heart, this dark part of my heart that I really don't want anybody to know about. And I want you to dwell there. And when he enters in, he can make it new. That's what he does. That's what he did when he entered into the world the first time. It's what he does and wants to do every time we receive him in the Eucharist and he enters into our bodies. He touches us. And just as he touched people and healed them in the Gospels, he wants to touch you and heal you now. 
so that we truly know what it means to be children of God. And so today, let us pray for the grace to know what it means to be sons and daughters of the Father. That every time we pray that prayer we learned as children, we truly experience God's love as his children. And that we'll be persistent in praying for our own conversion, our own transformation, our own freedom, our own healing, our own joy. That we might radiate that joy and be a light within our families, in our workplaces, and in the greater community.